Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. It is amazing to me how people do not understand the role they may have played in the thing that has angered them so. Nobody on the left has apparently considered the possibility that State Representative Trisha Cotham is going to be able to vote the same way she would have been voting as a Democrat, except now she's going to be able to move items legislatively through the GOP structure and gravy on top here. You don't got to put up with Democrat Party structural dumbassery. Like, it's a win-win for her. To me, this is the most obvious explanation. And you know me, and I'm, I'm an Occam's razor kind of a guy. The most obvious explanation usually is the the accurate one. I want to welcome to the program Brett Jensen from Breaking with Brett Jensen, which uh, he is the host of, as uh, coincidentally as that sounds. Uh, it is on every weeknight here on uh, News Talk 1110-993 WBT at uh, 7 o'clock. And Brett uh, was up in Raleigh hanging out with all the swells for the big uh, coming out party today <laughs> for State Representative Trisha Cotham. Uh, so... Brett, uh, I, I I must ask, right? What's the what was the mood? What was the mood? How many media were there? You know, there were about forty five media members from all across the state. You know, we thought, okay, you're going to get some stuff. You know, obviously a few out of Charlotte, and you get the Raleigh contingency, but there were way more than that. I mean, you had people, you had TV stations from Greensboro coming in, High Point coming in. I think there was even some down in Wilmington that made the drive up, and this was a big deal. It was a big event, and then you add in. You know, the other 60, uh, you know, elected Republicans from the Senate and on the House side, but and also some of their, you know, their staff members or whatever. And then Congressman Dan Bishop and State Superintendent Captain Truitt, they were all in attendance today because they viewed this as such a momentum occasion. But more than anything, Pete, what you said at the beginning, that was the overriding theme of this entire press conference, which lasted about 30 minutes or so today, and it started about 30 minutes late. <laughs> but, the, but the overriding thing was, you pushed me out by nonstop attacking me from the moment that I registered. You tried to not get me elected, and once I came in, you tried to control every single thing. You've had Democrat Party groups reach out to my children on Instagram, reach out to my mother, and, you know... The uh, Pat Caltham, the Mecklenburg County Commissioner, and she just got so sick and tired of it nonstop for 13 straight months. She, her, basically, her basic thought was, okay, if I'm going to get this as a member of the Democrat Party, I might as well go to the Republican Party to do exactly what you said, Pete, to get things helped pushed through the legislative branch and get things moving on that side of the caucus just because there was, she just kept getting attacked nonstop from her own party. And what's more, she has now given the other two or three blue dog Democrats, if you will, in the uh, House, she's given them cover. Because 
in the, you know before if you've got this you know one vote shy of a supermajority in the house now she's over there now technically on paper there's a supermajority although I don't I still think it's the, I don't think really anything changed I really don't as I far as it. yeah as I far as the vote totals go because house speaker Tim Moore was going to have to be picking one or two off for every vote anyway um but now that she's over there and you know that they've got or you have this idea that you can override the vetoes now it may give those other Democrats some space to say, OK, well, I can I can throw my my vote over there as well. It has it's sort of like the floodgates are open and now anybody can can move if they would like to. Well, and to your point, with the pistol permit law, you know, mm-hmm. Cotton was one of three people who did not vote uh, for that bill or did not vote, period. But you had, what, four Democrats that actually did. And Speaker of the House, Tim Moore, made reference to that today, saying, Trisha isn't the only one. We're in discussions with a few other Democrats. Yeah, and he said that months ago, right? From the, uh, the I think it was election night, Jim Blaine from uh, the uh, the differentiators, right? Political consultant, formerly Phil Berger's guy. Uh, Jim Blaine noted on, I think, election night in November, saying that they're looking over in the House at three members who are talking about switching parties. Now, he didn't name them, and so that, of course, prompted everybody on Twitter to say it was Trisha Cotham at the time, but we don't know if if, if that was her or not. Um, but the, the stuff that she outlined at the press conference today, these were all things that happened before uh, she, uh, or I should say after her election, right? This wasn't something like she was laying in wait and, and taking all this, you know, GOP money and entering into all of these negotiations, and it was all this big con on the voters. The stuff she described occurred after her election. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that was the, that's what she was upset about. She's like, all of this stuff has just getting progressively worse and progressively worse and getting it from Democrats within Mecklenburg County, Democrats within the state of North Carolina and Raleigh and throughout the state, and even catching heat from the Democrat Party up in Washington, D.C. And she said, look, you know, her big theme today was the attacks that the Democrats have been doing on her for 13 months internally. And also, I'm going to vote how I'm going to vote. I'm not going to vote all Republican. And I'm not going to vote all Democrats. Never have, never will. And that was even the overriding theme today. And so, you know, that was the thing. And so, you know, what happens is, you know, Pete, you, you make both parties happy when you vote for their side with a veto of the governor's bill. But it also pisses both parties off when you vote against their party. And so it's almost like a damned if you do, damned if you don't. Right. So people trying to chart out whether or not this was uh, done because of the... Uh, redistricting lines may be getting redrawn for 2024, and so she's looking ahead and thinking, okay, I'm going to position myself for a better drawn district. Maybe the Republicans will you know, help me out with better lines. I mean, her district includes Mint Hill, uh, so not exactly a bastion of left-wingery, you know. So um, is, this, uh, is this a play for another office? Well, you know, that's a great question. There are thoughts that maybe this district will now bleed into Union County a little bit because, you know, it's right there on the border and get rid of some of the more heavy Democrat uh, parts of this district. Then there's thoughts that maybe there'll be a congressional district that maybe she can run for, you know, a new district like that. Maybe she can run for in for Congress in 2024. And I got a one. I was the first one. There were She only did two one-on-one interviews today, and I was the first one that she sat down with and, like, probably 10 minutes after her press conference, 15 minutes after her press conference. And we spoke for maybe 25, 30 minutes. And I ended the interview by saying this, Congress 2024, that's all I said. 
And she just started laughing. She said, Brett, I don't even know what date is, let alone thinking about 2024. Yeah, I don't know if this is a political future-making deal that she has crafted here, like, like some people are suggesting. I think it's actually going to be pretty hard for her to win in a Republican district or a Democrat. I mean, she's done as a Democrat, obviously. And I don't know if a Republican-drawn district is going to be uh, is going to be favorable for her either in a primary, maybe in a general she gets by. Um, but again, she'd have to clear a primary. And I don't, I don't know if her voting record is going to endear her to a lot of Republicans. Um, but eh, we'll see, I guess, you know, well, and, and Democrats for that matter, Pete, because, you know, I mean, again, she's a staunch supporter of the second amendment, hardcore supporter of the second amendment. And she's the one that introduced the ice bill that's getting ready to go to legislature. But at the same point, Republicans are might going to get upset about the the abortion bill. Is it going to be twelve weeks, thirteen weeks, or stay at twenty weeks? Mm-hmm. They may not like her votes on that. And so you're right. It's like she's just right in the middle. And but she knows at least one thing that the Republicans aren't going to attack her nonstop. Well, but and 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 this is the thing. She she is representing actually uh, the views of a majority of Americans and North Carolinians on the abortion issue. Most people fall. Uh, uh, on the abortion issue, they fall on the side of, you know, after after 12 weeks to ban abortions. after, And that's where most of the industrialized world is. America is the outlier there. The Democratic Party is not in step with the majority of Americans on that issue. Um, and on, you know, cooperating with ICE. Most people think we should, yeah, the local sheriff should cooperate with ICE. Um, and so they're on these on these big issues on school choice, right? She's a big school choice or as a former teacher of yep. the year, she's she's pro school choice. Most Americans are school choice. Her party is not with her on these issues. Um, and so, yeah, maybe she's willing to entertain some debate about when rights obtained for the fetus. That doesn't mean she's going to vote to ban all abortions like people on the left are accusing her of wanting to do now that she is uh, going to register as a Republican. No, that that absolutely will not happen. And by the way, to your point about you know the, the the twelve weeks in America being different, when I was in Europe this summer, I did some research, and I think it's twenty nine of the thirty three European countries, progressive Europe, have a twelve week ban. Mm-hmm. Poland, you're not even allowed to have an abortion in Poland. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we are in the company of countries like Iran, I believe, or North Korea. <laughs> That's weird. Yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not an august body that we keep when it comes to those regulations. Uh, Brett Jensen, I appreciate you taking the time and uh, joining me. And safe trip back to the Queen City here, sir. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it, Pete. All right, man. Take it easy. That's Brett Jensen from the WBT Newsroom. Also, he is the host of Breaking with Brett Jensen weekdays at seven o'clock here on News Talk eleven ten and ninety nine three WBT. All right. Now, given the state of affairs in our country and the world, are you asking yourself whether you're prepared for an emergency? I actually get asked this a lot. My answer, start at Carolina Readiness Supply, 2,000 square feet of supplies, the full line of Augustine Farms and Mountain House Foods, books, water purifiers, lighting, tools, first aid kits, camping and hiking supplies. Being prepared is just smart. Whether you're an experienced prepper or you have no clue what you're doing or somewhere in between, Carolina Readiness Supply can help. In Waynesville and online at CarolinaReadiness.com, get tickets to the Heritage Life Skills event also. Make a day trip to the mountains and return home fully prepared. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? So uh, so I did uh, get the audio. Thank you, Mark Garrison from WBT News. I uh, got the audio from the press conference. I was actually running around town, so I didn't get to listen to 
Trisha Cotham's press conference that she gave today. But I have to acknowledge uh, on the Twitter machine over the last um, 24 hours, because this news broke yesterday while I was on the air, and so we talked a little bit about it yesterday, uh, and I, I do have to acknowledge I am having a bit of fun with the <laughs> with this announcement. Look, I get it. I'm not look, I'm not trying to rub Democrats noses in anything here because look, I my belief right now and this is pure speculation, it's just a prediction, but I don't believe that Trisha Cotham is going to be voting as a Republican as a hardcore conservative right winger on all issues that come before the General Assembly now. I really don't. I just think that she is going to get more appreciation for the times that she does inside the GOP. There are things that she disagrees with the Democrats on, and those things make her radioactive in the Democrat Party. The things that she disagrees with the Republicans on do not make her radioactive in the Republican Party. And generally speaking, people don't enjoy hanging out with other people that hate them. Generally speaking, people do not enjoy hanging around others that subject that person to all forms of abuse. Name-calling and snarky comments and snide innuendo. They're, I, don't, I don't ever traffic in these rumors. I don't go on the air and talk about the, uh, the rumors that, that swirl around certain candidates because they always swirl. They, they, Democrats promote, I could run down a, just, I don't know, probably half a dozen off the top of my head. That the left uh, uh, engages in rumor mongering in this state. They did it with Pat McCrory when he was governor. They did it with Patrick McHenry. They, and they did it with, um, oh, they do, they, they're doing it with Tim Moore. And they did it with Trisha Cotham. Right, essentially, they accuse her of sleeping her way to the top. That's what, they're, that's what the leftists are saying. Without any evidence, no proof whatsoever, they're just attacking her. Now, think about that. Can you imagine a more misogynistic, sexist line of attack? And a lot of the, these, uh, these attacks are coming from women, these leftist women. Again, I urge you folks on the left, you all just keep on tweeting through it. Just tweet through all of this. Just keep hitting send. Just keep going after uh, all of these uh, uh, these insufficiently loyal leftists inside the Democrat Party. People who disagree with you on one issue, you should definitely vilify. Just keep at it. Keep doing it. Please. Nobody wants to be around you. You're not nice. That matters. Politics is about relationships. I've been tell people this for years and years and years. It's about relationships. If you have no relationship with somebody on the other side of the aisle or somebody in another in another branch of government or something, um, or even in your own party, your own leadership, right? You don't get stuff done. Now, maybe you don't care to get stuff done, and I recognize that there is value in that position. Patrick McHenry talks about this, how when he first got to Congress, you know, there are bomb throwers and then there are people who get stuff done. And he was a bomb thrower when he first got there and he worked a long time to sort of rehab 
his profile, his image, and his reputation, his relationships, because he wanted to get stuff done. Now, bomb throwers serve a purpose, right? They absolutely serve a purpose. You need them. It's just a different skill set. But you can't have all bomb throwers, right? Everybody can't be doing that. And when you're in the minority party, as the Democrats have been now for over a decade in North Carolina, they, they're, and Republicans know this as well, there is a level of comfort that you have in not having to govern. You get to just bomb throw. And that's what Democrats do. And their particular brand of politics is uniquely vicious in, in a lot of ways. It really is. Uh, and the idea that somebody who agrees with you 50% of the time would say, you know what, I don't want to be surrounded by this viciousness. I'll go be a member of that other party. And I'll still be voting with you 50% of the time. But the fact that you registered as a member of the Republican Party, what did the left say about Cotham now? They're like, oh, I can't believe it was a Julie Iselt, that, that brainiac that we've got here in the Queen City. Right? What did she say? Oh, the party of Trump. You realize, you realize the, the fight inside the Republican Party over Donald Trump? Are you aware of that? Have you heard anything about that? Maybe you heard it referred to as a civil war? Because... There is such a disagreement about um, there is such a disagreement about whether or not he should be the standard bearer inside the Republican Party. They're having this fight. But to the Democrats, they see all Republicans as a monolith. And now it kind of makes sense, right? If this is the way they treat Cotham, who is an independent thinker, she says, right? I, I have different uh, ideas about certain issues. And this is how they react. Well, it's no wonder they assume everybody in the Republican Party thinks the same way as everybody else in the Republican Party, because that's what they do, <laughs> right? There, there, there's the, right? There's the tell. I do have some empathy for my friends on the left in North Carolina today, um, who are outraged, who are angry, they're upset over Trisha Cotham leaving the Democratic Party and going over to the Republican Party. Even though I don't think it actually is going to matter, practically speaking, I think they're still going to be trying to pry a vote away here and there on every piece of legislation to override Governor Cooper's vetoes and stuff. But there is a sim- um, there's a, symbol- a symbolism to the whole thing. I get that. There's a symbolic nature to it. But I am sympathetic because as much as... You know, nobody apparently in North Carolina has been here longer than 10 years at this point. You guys don't remember, you don't know what occurred in North Carolina. But this is how the Democrats did the GOP. Within the last 20 years, folks, within the last 20 years. And the irony is that Trisha Cotham the seat that she first ran for and won in 2007, that seat... Well, she was actually first appointed to it. And she was appointed to it because the person who held the seat prior went to prison. Jim Black, the Speaker of the House. Jim Black went to prison. And among his misdeeds, among the things that he did, was a bribery scandal whereby he paid off a Republican member of the House of Representatives, a fellow by the name of Michael Decker, who was a conservative Republican. Kind of weird. Yeah, kind of weird. Like he'd sleep in a camper on the grounds of the Capitol. It's kind of weird. But 
He took an envelope full of cash. This was sort of Jim Black's uh, trademark uh, uh, bribery deal, where he would they would go up I eighty five and they would uh, meet at the IHOP uh, off I eighty five in Salisbury. And then one of uh, whoever he was doing the deal with, they'd go into the bathroom. They would leave a, an envelope of cash, and then Black would go in there and he would take it. So cash exchanged hands in that bathroom, and Jim Black flipped. A Republican guy by the name of Michael Decker, which, of course, made the scandal the Black and Decker scandal. Not kidding. But it allowed him to maintain his speakership. Because Decker became a Democrat, so they had the numbers, So uh, uh, because Republicans had won. This was 2002, I want to say, maybe, roughly. Maybe 04, 02, 04 time frame. And so Republicans had had gotten close they won they tied the house or something and then they ended up with like some co-speakerships because a guy named uh morgan uh uh what was his first name dennis darren what was it it doesn't matter Uh, robert robert morgan i think he has since uh passed away he ran for another office i think insurance commissioner at some point but they became co-speakers at some point so Republicans were building and they were trying to to take power and when they and when they got close enough to actually do it this guy flipped. You know how angry Republicans were over that? I would submit that was a bigger deal than this. How about this one? Jim Jeffords, Rush used to call him Jumpin' Jim Jeffords, right? Guy from Vermont. Yeah, y'all didn't really care about you didn't care about this. This was oh so rich, right? He was just following his conscience. When Republicans finally won enough votes to take back the U.S. Senate, this was early 2000s as well, George W. Bush was president, and Jim Jim Jeffords switched party affiliation, right? And so then the Republicans could not control the House. Oh, how about this one? Arlen Specter, right? U.S. Senator from Pennsylvania, a little bit more recently, did the same thing. Republican, then became a Democrat. Now, truth be told, he was a Democrat long before that, too, but so he was kind of going back and forth over his career. So I get it. I do. I understand. And by the way, it's like, the, and I tried to uh, tell my friends on the left this um, on Twitter as well, which uh, last night, which was, you know, how, how North Carolina Democrats feel now is how conservative voters feel about 80% of the time, <laughs> right? About 80% of the time, as they watch their political leaders cave to the progressives' long march towards statism, the long march through the institutions, right? This constant, this constant seeding of ground to the left. Conservative voters all across the fruited plain, all across North Carolina, but all across America, conservatives are constantly disappointed by their own party leaders' inability to stop progressivism so we understand we understand what it's like to lose they i say roughly i mean it's an estimate it's you know 80 percent of the time libertarians it's a hundred percent of the time i mean that's okay i kid i kid i i but it's true it is true libertarians are perpetually let down by everyone right and as a lowercase l libertarian kind of a guy I'm registered unaffiliated. I, I, I tend to vote to, uh, for libertarian candidates in offices where they're not completely insane. 
which means I don't really vote for libertarians. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. It's just a joke. Um, but I got to, you know, I got to think. Guys, like, this is not unique to you, Democrats. And I know you're about the performative theater of it all. I get it. I do. Like, the world's a stage. You're the only actor upon it. I understand. But really, this is not the first time something like this has happened. And it's not going to be the last. And by the way, the most recent examples of it happening have all been to your benefit. Okay? To your benefit. So just celebrate your victory up in Wisconsin where you're now, you know, you, you got that judge into the, into the, uh, onto the Supreme, state Supreme Court. They're now going to be able to undo all of the conservative rulings, which you were very, very opposed to happening here, remember. Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that any judges would revisit these laws and overturn precedent. Starry decisis. Right? I, I get it. I get it. It's different when you do it. So while you are outraged at the court flipping here and different decisions breaking different ways here, you're totally happy that it's going to go the other way up in Wisconsin now that you were able to. By the way, that woman up the, the woman that ran for that office up there, that, that uh, judgeship up there, she was running on expressly political uh, platforms or planks in the platform, I should say. Right? She, she was... She's commenting on cases. She's talking about her belief on uh, you know, like redistricting cases and maps that got put in place. I mean, she is taking explicit positions on, on things that are going to go before the court. And I thought that that was a politicized judiciary. And I thought Democrats didn't like that very much. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't believe you when you say it. So, no, I didn't believe you. But that's what you said. I don't believe you. I didn't believe you when you said it. So it's not like I was, you know, duped. But still, I mean, I just, you know, for the record, feel that's important to point out. Uh, So, yes, you're very, very angry today. I understand. And Republicans have been very, very angry about the shenanigans that their leaders have engaged in uh, for much longer. So, yeah, welcome to the club. All right, now you've heard me talk about them. Old Grouch's Military Surplus. They're expanding with more ways to get your hands on authentic U.S. military surplus items. Go to oldgrouch.com. Check out the links for the online auctions for rare finds and the vintage shop. Unique, really cool items from modern tactical gear to historical collectibles. Tim at Old Grouch's is always finding new stuff. When I started the podcast at the beginning of the pandemic, my first advertiser was Old Grouch's. If you enjoy the show and derive any value from it, I'm hoping that you will consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. I have I have not gotten to listen to the press conference that Trisha Cotham held today yet. I, I, I saw some of it being sort of live tweeted out. I had to go to the allergist again. They rip off the patch where they were testing some potential allergy, whatever. So I haven't, I haven't gotten to listen to the entire press conference, but I have all of her comments isolated in sound bites here into five cuts. They're, you know, a minute, two minutes in range. So first off, by way of background, Trisha Cotham is from a, a Democrat family. Her dad, John Cotham is the former Mecklenburg County, uh, Democratic Party chairman. He was when I was a reporter here 20 years ago. 
His mom, or uh, sorry, her mom is uh, Pat Cotham. She's a county commissioner. Uh, she's, you know, Democratic Women's Forum leader, and she's a, a, a county commission uh, or county commissioner votainer. Not vote getter, votainer, right? She has gotten the most votes in like all these elections, but they never, her fellow Democrats never make her chair, never make her chair because they are all, they all accuse her of being a Republican. Yeah. Which is funny to me because when you look at her voting record, she's a Democrat. But the fact that she doesn't harbor this animosity in her heart, well, I guess she can't be chair. <laughs> that's, that's, that's where we are with that party. Like, if you don't have the burning hatred of the GOP, then you don't get to be leadership. That's what it seems like. All right, so here's Trisha Cotham. Let's take a listen. Here was uh, the opening of her press conference today up in Raleigh at the Republican Party headquarters. I have decided to change my party affiliation, joining the Republican Party, and have been welcomed with open arms by my colleagues. And I'm glad to call you all my colleagues. As long as I have been a Democrat, the Democrats have tried to be a big tent. But this now where we are, modern day Democratic Party, has become unrecognizable to me and to so many others throughout this state and this country. The party wants to villainize anyone who has free thought, free judgment, has solutions, who wants to get to work to better our state, not just sit in a meeting and have a workshop after a workshop, but mm. really work with individuals to get things done. Oh, oh my. Remember earlier in the hour I said, Democrat structural dumbassery. That's what she's talking about right there. Sitting in workshops. That's what she's talking that, That's what she's referencing. They don't actually attempt to govern and influence policy. That, that's, that's not what they're workshopping, right? They're workshopping politics. They're workshopping messages. That's what they're all about. They're the minority party. There's a benefit to being the minority party. You don't actually have to govern. You just get to, you know, launch spitballs at everybody. And once, you, once you're in that position for a while, there's some comfort because you, you know what you're doing, Right? These are tactics, you're perfecting them, and you don't have any of the responsibility. Why do you think you get 70,000 uh, fundraising emails a day from North Carolina Democrats? Why do you think that is? <laughs> right? I mean, yeah, well, okay, first off, yes, the algorithm is jacked up for some reason. But, um, yeah, it's because that, that's all they know. Everything is an excuse to send me an email that says, give me $5, give me $10. Please, sir, can you just spare just a $5 donation? That's how I read their emails. So is with that little British accent, like Oliver. I don't know why. Because that's what real public servants do. If you don't do exactly what the Democrats want you to do, they will try to bully you. They will Hmm. try to cast you aside. No way. Whoa, 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 whoa. You're telling me that Democrats bully people? Stop the presses. I had no idea. (laughs) So they're not trying to engage in a dialogue, a good faith debate to try to win hearts and minds or anything like that. It's just bullying. That's man. That's not been my experience whatsoever. (laughs) I saw that when I first filed for office. 
and was told, why didn't you ask for our permission? Oh! I didn't... Oh, wait, wait. Why didn't you ask our permission? This is the kiss the ring process. By the way, this is why a lot of people in the Democratic Party did not like John Edwards for a long time. Did you know that? But yeah, because, because he jumped ahead. He didn't kiss the rings. He didn't get the approvals. He beat certain people that were next in line. See, because Democrats have run this state as a machine operation for over a century and a half. And you don't just, I mean, th- th- that way of thinking and governance and that mechanism doesn't just go away overnight. That's a tough habit to break. You got to kiss the rings. And by rings, I mean butts of certain individuals in the state Democrat establishment. <laughs> Roy Cooper. And so maybe she was unwilling to do that. I think I needed to do that as a female. And quite frankly, I was offended. Oh. But when I came back to this legislature, I knew times were different and things had changed. I also knew that I was different. I had been through a lot in life. And so I am just different too. And I'm proud of that. It became very clear to me early on in January that you better vote in line with everything Governor Cooper tells you to do, from signing on to bills, to he wanted to pick your seat on the House floor, to your committee requests, all of this sense of control. I will not be controlled by anyone. Interesting. So, So my good friend, Governor Ray Cooper... Literally micromanaging seat assignments? Maybe some intrepid reporter up in the up at the Capitol will ask Governor Cooper that. We shall see.